Cause the drinks bring back all the memories of everything we've been through. Welcome everybody to episode 439 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. I'm your host, Canada. Happy Monday morning, everybody. This is like the first week back after the holidays, and it's always the most difficult to make it through for most people. And I was thinking a lot. I've been reflecting on what I wanted to talk about on this episode because last night, after I enjoyed watching the Eagles suffer in defeat, I was just bombarded with photos from CES and Stern Pinball bringing Stranger Things Pinball to CES to stream or to let people play it for the first time. And so I want to talk about something that just keeps sort of lingering over my thought process with this hobby and this community, and that is the notion of common sense. Now, my mother, my mother, I love my mother, she would always tell me when I was growing up that the most valuable thing in the world is common sense. And when you have common sense and you use it in your everyday life, you'll be successful. And she would say, it doesn't matter how many degrees you have, how smart you think you are, because if you don't have common sense, you're never going to make it. You're just going to do stupid things and you will fumble your way through life. Now, pinball to me is an interesting hobby because I often try to think about, well, what is the commonsensical thing to do? And are these companies that have all of these people and smart individuals that are smart enough, right, to make a highly complex thing like a pinball machine, how come there are moments in which there just seems to be a complete sort of lapse in common sense? And the thing they're doing just makes me want to pull my hair out because it just seems to make absolutely no sense. So what I want to do on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast on this Monday morning is just bring up some examples of moments in pinball that have happened over the last year or so in which I think make no sense and defy common sense. And let's just talk about why these decisions are made. And let's start with the one that was made uh, yesterday to bring Stranger Things to CES to show people the premium and the Ellie for the first time at the convention center in Las Vegas. Now, if you've been to CES or you've been to any of these shows, the one thing you'll know is that the lights are extremely bright. I mean, they're brighter than bright. It, it, it is not a place where you're going to get any of the projector effect that Stern is looking for people to pull away from this show. Um, it's not going to be impressive. The equivalent, I love using carguments, it would be like taking a Dodge Demon, a car that is designed specifically for the drag strip. It'd be like showing the world the Dodge Demon for the first time on an autocross track. For those of you who don't know, cars autocross is like a, a small track, usually in big parking lots, in which there's a lot of twists and turns. And so you're trying to show off the car's ability to turn quickly and zip around. But a Dodge Demon's only meant to go straight. And so taking a Stranger Things pinball machine uh, to show the projector feature, which needs a really dark room, taking that game to CES, to me, is equivalent of showing the world a Dodge Demon for the first time on an autocross track. So while a lot of people were sending me photos being like, it looks horrible, it looks terrible, and like just flying off the handle, and I think people just expect me to just, you know, 
look at these photos and, and immediately Canada is going to slam this game as being a, a complete joke and, and I told you so and all this. I don't even want to do that because I don't even think it's fair to look at this game in that environment. What I want to do is ask the common sense question is why did Stern's marketing department, why did Zach and everyone over there, what common sense are they implementing to bring this game to CES? They had to know it's going to look like washed out crap if they showed the game at CES. And so it, it leads to a lot of other questions like why didn't they construct, how hard would it have been in the Stern booth? And I do marketing for a living. I do events for a living. You can do a pipe and drape sort of room. You could even make it within your own booth. You could probably create a little pitch black area you step into to play Stranger Things for the first time. And the, how cool would that have been if you walked up to the Stern booth and there's this pitch black sort of tent and drape area in which you can go through the curtain and immerse yourself in the Stranger Things pinball experience. Like people will be like, well, what's behind the curtain? Well, go back there and find out it's the new Stranger Things pinball machine. But no, no, they decided to just put the game out on the floor. And yes, it looks as terrible as people would think it would look. It looks very washed out. Those white strips on the ramps look horrendous. The, it's just, it just doesn't look good. And, and I just I don't understand why they've decided to do it this way. And here's the other thing I just thought about. Is Stern Pinball is in Chicago, Illinois, and they clearly have a pitch black environment. They have a dark environment at Stern's factory in which they can show this game. And I just have a real issue with, again, them taking money from people and not showing people the game. And what they easily could have done over the last couple weeks, all right, what they easily could have done is they could have invited some pinball media. They could have got Jeff from This Week in Pinball. They could have got some other pinball podcasters. They could have got some personalities who have audiences in pinball. Why didn't Stern just invite them to Stern to play the game in a pitch black room so they could give feedback, objective feedback on the game. Now the hard thing is, you know, getting objective feedback from pinball people, especially pinball media is really hard because imagine this, imagine if you do what I did, imagine, well, imagine if you go in and you play it and you don't think it's that impressive and you don't, you don't rave about it. Well, then Stern's never going to invite you back to do anything with them. And that's, that's always the issue, right? It, it, imagine if movie reviewers, when reviewing a movie, were afraid to say how they really felt because that they, would, they didn't want to get blacklisted by the movie studio, right? How, how, you know, that's kind of where we are with pinball. Is most, of the, most of the people have a hard time telling it like it is because, and I get it, like it's really difficult because you don't want to lose access to these companies. But my whole thing is this game, you know, the way, the way they're streaming it, it just lacks common sense. And, and, it, and it, defies, it defies logic to put a machine that would look really bad under direct bright light to put it at CES and expect people to walk away feeling good. And it's kind of comical because it does look terrible under, under that lighting. Uh, that doesn't mean in, in, in your house or in a barcade it's going to look horrible, but it doesn't look great. This is not a great first impression of this mechanism um, or this, this uh, gimmick, right? But it's amazing to me, even, even looking this way, you go on to Pinside and the people who are in on LEs and premiums are still making, you know, they're, they're still like being apologists about it. 
and and that's just it's just this this phenomenon is when people buy a game before they've seen it they make so many excuses to rationalize their decisions and all i want to do i just want to hear from someone who plays this game in the right environment i just want to hear what it's like i'm not here to tell you it's going to be great or crappy i think the verdict is still too it's 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 not in yet but what is in right now are people's deposits on the game and i just i just think it's inane that people are still like going all in on this without seeing how this thing's going to work because i can tell you right now if i put that thing in my my bedroom in new york city i mean it doesn't get really pitch black in here ever so I don't even know if it would ever work in, in an apartment like mine. And some of you out there, like you have game rooms where your game rooms aren't pitch black. So I just, I just want to see the way it works. I think bringing it to CES for the first time is kind of a joke. And the way they did the booth with, without making it dark it is silly. And, and, I, and I think it's the worst way to show this technology off. And I think everyone agrees. I think everyone agrees. But it's just stern being stern. You know, they just like follow the same formula. There's nothing. It's like, it's, you see, that's what kind of annoys me about Stern. It's like, it's like, well, didn't anyone over there say, hey, like, it's not going to look good. Are we sure we want to show this to people? And look, it's not just like through the internet. It's like if you're at the show and you're playing Stranger Things, like a lot of people are coming through that booth, like mass media. So Gizmodo and CNET and IGN, all those outlets that wrote about the game, all that tech media that's there. If they jump on this and their experience is underwhelming, is that good for Stern? Is that good for pinball? Does that make pinball look like they know how to implement this new technology into pinball machines, even though it's not new technology? You know what I'm saying? So I just don't understand what is the point of giving people an underwhelming experience with your brand new Stranger Things pinball machine. Lacks common sense, doesn't it? All right, what else lacks common sense? So I was thinking about this the other day. Where is the common sense over at Jersey Jack Pinball? And, and by that, let me, let me explain what I mean. So Jack and, and company over there, they, they, they make some of the best pinball machines. They do. There, there's no denying it. They put more in their pinball machines than anyone else, okay? But I've always said, somewhere in the marketing room, decisions are made at Jersey Jack Pinball that just completely lack common sense and that make you just go, huh? Are we really going to do that? What if someone analyzes what we're doing? Is it going to make much sense? And so how do you, how do you, if you're Jersey Jack Pinball, how do you, through the lens of common sense, how do you arrive at this decision? How do you say to people, we are going to make 5,000 limited edition versions of Willy Wonka Pinball Machine? Now, that is not the issue I have. It's okay. Jack can say whatever number of LEs he wants to make. Okay. So you're going to make 5,000 of them. Great. Great. I hope you sell every one, Jack. I really do. Okay. So then who over there makes the marketing decision that for those 5,000 LEs that we plan to make, we are only going to make a topper limited to 300 units? Like, how does that make sense? You're going to make, you want to make thousands of LEs and then you make an LE topper that is meant for the LE machines because the CE guys all get their toppers. So you're making a topper for LE guys and maybe the standard guys can buy it, but you're only going to make 300. So what sense does that make? If you're going to sell a few thousand of these games and you know most of your people love toppers, 
why would you only make 300 of the of the Wonkatonia toppers? Can someone please email me at canadapinball at gmail.com and let me know how that makes sense. Now, here's what I think happened in, in this, again, illogical move, marketing move by JJP. And here's why it's illogical, because why would you limit the amount of money you can make when your customers want, they want toppers and they want that topper and you're not going to sell it to them now because you're only going to make 300. And here's what I, I think happened is this move really strangely came immediately after the Stern Star Wars topper was revealed. Remember? I mean, Stern is the first person ever to limit a topper to only 500. Only 500 Star Wars toppers are available for 750 bucks. And then like a few weeks later, Jersey Jack Pinball is like only 300 of the Wonkatonia toppers will be available. I mean, is this, is this really like a pissing match of who can limit it the most? Hey, Jack, why don't you just make one topper? Here's just one available topper signed by everybody and their mother that's available. I mean, and it's $10,000. See if someone will bite. I'm waiting for the day that happens. I'm waiting for the day someone makes like a one-of-one one topper for like 10 grand and, and it becomes like the sought-after item. But you see what I'm saying? It doesn't make any sense, Jack. Make, just make them available. You don't have to limit them. You don't have to try to create arbitrary you know, scarcity. He did the same thing with the Pirates of the Caribbean Collector's Edition toppers, which everyone would have wanted. He could have sold those for $1,000 each. Instead, nope. You know, everyone else gets this crappy plexiglass one. Okay. So it just lacks common sense. You know, applying common sense to pinball, though, maybe it's a futile thing I'm trying to do on this episode because, you know, how do you watch people spend $5,000 on a, on a piece of couch? And, and then you try to say, well, where's the common sense in that? And, you know, for, for a lot of what we look at in this hobby, you know, it, it comes down to some very basic things to me. Come, you know, the number one thing is if you make a theme people love, it will sell. Like, that's common sense. You give the people what they want and they will appear at your door to buy the game. There's a lack of common sense when you think that someone who's failed to deliver time and time again will all of a sudden succeed if you throw money at the problem. I mean, we've seen this before in, in so many different pinball entities. Where's the common sense, people? You know, how many second, third, fourth, fifth chances do we give people uh, to get things right in pinball? I would argue that common sense says if you want there to be goodwill in your company, you might want to steer clear of the personalities that have burned people in the past. That common sense says you wouldn't launch a pinball company with a John Papaduke. Like common sense, why would you start with two strikes and, and it's, it's the bottom of the ninth and, and people have been burned by this guy? You know, common sense, just start with a new designer. Common sense goes a long way, right? Common sense says don't, don't, don't be angry at the pinball community if you want to sell games to them, right? Common sense says that everyone on Pinside is a potential customer. So avoiding those people, treating them like they're second-class citizens and throwing shade on them is not the best thing to do if you're a pinball company. And yet so many pinball companies avoid the community. They want nothing to do with that, the, the hardcore center of the community. And, and I'm here to tell you, if I was a pinball company, 
I would find a way to work with those people. And I, I don't think it's hard. We see Chuck do it. We see other people do it. You know, it leads to this mentality, common sense. If you're a business like pinball, it leads to this mentality that we're better than our customers, that we know more than them, that we're smarter than them. And maybe you can't blame some of these companies like Stern that could absolutely give two craps about engaging with people on the forums. And I get it, man. Sometimes you go on to Pinside and you read some of this stuff. Like you read the witch hunt to find out where Deep Roots money is coming from. I just read on Pinside a guy, a guy, his name's Delt. I think it's Delt31. He just changed his mind about Willy Wonka. He just changed his mind and was like, you know what? I got it, and I'm actually really enjoying it more than I did at the beginning. And he had slammed the game at the beginning. And you know what's happening to him on Pinside? This is a hysterical. He's getting attacked by the Willy Wonka loyalist. Like, he's not allowed to now like the game. He has to explain to them in, in, in supreme detail what exactly about it he now notices differently. Like, it's like he has to justify to these people why he now likes the game. What? what, what? <laughs> it's so hilarious. You should go read that thread. It's incredible to me. I'm like, wow. So the, the, the JJP, like, loyalists, all they do is cheerlead how these games are the best games of all time. And then if you come to that realization later on in your journey with the game, that's not good enough for them. You have to, you have to, you know, testify under oath to these individuals if you're allowed to be part of them. Get the F out of here. It's a freaking pinball machine, all right? It's not some secret society, Columinati that controls the world. You know, common sense would also have you believe that you don't release a game called Oktoberfest in July. Can we like th that could be the ultimate what the f where was the common sense moment in that? So we're going to make a game called Oktoberfest. Okay, cool. When's the game going to be on the line? June. Okay, okay. Does anyone here have a problem with that because I that just doesn't seem like the right thing to do. Maybe can we get we have to ship the game by October, no? Wouldn't it make more sense to have Oktoberfest? It would have to be on the line in August. So that we're shipping the game to places by October. You know, oh, no, no, let's reveal the game in October. Let people wait six months. And then by the time the game actually is being built, nobody cares. Common sense, people. Come on. Common sense also says, you know, one of the biggest common sense issues is playing a game before you buy it. And this is something that impacts a lot of people. And it's crazy, right? It's like we don't even take these expensive toys on test drives. We just go all in on them. And everyone who's all in on Rick and Morty, you haven't played it. Nope. Common sense says, what are you doing? But remember, common sense number one, if it's a theme people love, if it's a theme people love, they will buy it. That is always the biggest commonsensical thing when you're making a pinball machine. That almost overrides all the other decisions we made, right? Because think about it like this. If someone made your dream theme and they made a super duper limited edition for $25,000 and it had just something, I don't know, let's just say it was Transformers Generation 1 and in it were custom callouts from Peter Cullen, you know, the, the voice of Optimus Prime. Right, I think I got that right. Imagine if he did custom callouts for that twenty thousand dollar version of the game. He's like, Chris, you're you know, transform and roll out. Like people would be like, oh, I gotta get it. Like so, I, I, when when you're in love with something, 
and then it doesn't matter. Like you, if people, I mean, I guess people love Elvira that much, but it's weird to me because I, I will say this. Some of the people that I talked to who bought Elvira signature editions, they're not even like huge Elvira fans. They just want the rare thing. And that is what drove them to do it. It's it's not like these are people with Elvira, uh, you know, shrines to Elvira in their house. They just they just wanted something that not many people would have. Okay, so common sense. The other common sense thing that I often think about with pinball is aligning the best talent with the best opportunity. And when you think about it, you know, my industry when we win a big piece of business. They usually put the best people on the biggest pieces of business because it makes sense, right? Common sense. You want to you want to do your best work uh, for the biggest potential for sales and revenue. And then I look at pinball, and sometimes I'm like, wow, they they take these really big themes, and then they don't always put the best people on those themes. So I think there's also like a lack of common. Is that a lack of common sense, or is that just a scheduling thing? I'm not really sure, but common sense to me would be like the one guy who is the greatest at organizing clips and and getting games coded is Lyman. So common sense, like why wouldn't Lyman Sheets, you have two games that are close to each other in the schedule. You have Elvira and you have Stranger Things. Why is it, common sense says to me that if Lyman Sheets is going to code a game I want him to code Stranger Things versus Elvira. Like you have him coding an obscure, an obscure theme that's very niche versus like this juggernaut theme. And if you've seen what Lyman has done with the clips from Batman and, and you have full assets to all the clips from Stranger Things, I, I just think common sense would have had you connect those two together. That Lyman should have been doing the Brian Eddy game and Stranger Things. I mean, come on. Come on. Common sense. Make It, it doesn't matter though, right? It doesn't matter. It, it just, it's never going to happen that way. We are never going to get Lyman on, on a triple-A title, it feels like. I just feel like he gets to do whatever he wants. Now, maybe that's what common sense is. Like, maybe you deserve to call your own shots when you're a guy like that. All right. Anything going else on the pinball hobby? Yeah, a few little common sense things, right? Common sense would say that games should ship with their toppers. That there shouldn't be a, a, a huge period between the game coming out and the accessories for the game. I guess that's a better thing to talk about. It's just all of the game's accessories should be available at launch. Common sense, right? You should not make people wait months to get other elements they can add to their game. Now, companies are getting smarter. You know who's starting to get to see these games early? are the different mod people, like the mod couple and other mod, mesomods, mesomods. They, a lot of the mod people are starting to get early access to games, and it makes sense so that they can make their mods available at launch. So they've had a few months to see what the playfields are like, to see what the game has in it, and to see what they can add to it and get ready for the launch of the game. All right, so what else is going on in pinball? So if I think we're done with our common sense sort of Monday morning discussion. Uh, if you haven't read This Week in Pinball today, I would read it. There is a phenomenal article by Dennis Creasel about Italian bottom playfields in pinball, and it goes throughout the history of what we mean when we say uh, the Italian bottom. And no, we're not talking about 
you know, my high school girlfriend were talking about pinball here. And it's great. And it's great. Let's do this. Let's do, I haven't done this in a while. I haven't read people's emails on Canada's Pinball Podcast in a while. So I'm going to do that right now. I'm going to pull up my email and just see what you guys have been saying to Canada over the past like few weeks. And if you want to email me anything, email me at canadapinball at gmail.com. Um, before I do that, I just want to say that something I didn't discuss that I put up on my Facebook page that got a ton of engagement were pictures of the Stranger Things playfield and how dimpled, how badly dimpled and cratered. I think there's a difference, right, between a dimple and a crater. This, these are craters. How badly cratered the machines are after just one week of play. And I, and I want to just say that those of you out there who think this is normal, who think this is normal pinball quality, who point to that BS video by Steve Ritchie where he tries to make apologies for this, saying it's it's not apologies. He pro- he tries to like say this is this is just pinball. It's always been this way, and they're just going to flatten out over time. I, I just want to say, if you believe that, if you believe that this is normal, if you believe that this is not cheaper wood, cheaper clear coating process, Stern having so much demand for games that they're rushing these things out, and the quality isn't inferior now if you believe that this is just the way pinball games are supposed to look after one week i think you need your head examined i would be very nervous to buy these games i just the quality is not there imagine what these games are going to look like in a, in a month in a year and i just don't understand this the games did, did not look like this crappy the, the, no way i had a lord of the rings and it had just a few dimples a few these games, after like one week, dimpled, let's just call them craters. Because I think if we call these things craters, it actually sounds more serious and is more indicative of what's going on with these games. They look horrible. It, these these playfields look like golf balls after like a month. And it's not normal. And I don't care what anyone says. Like, it's just not normal. Like, quality is not there. If there's one thing Robert Mueller can do, if he can, if he can make a playfield that has zero dimples or craters, he's going to get a lot of people's attention, I think, if he can get the theme right. All right, let's see. Do, do, do. Okay, I got an email from Kevin, and it says, your Stranger Things review. Kevin Clements, he said, hey, Chris, spot on review of Stranger Things. I have yet to play, but you did a great job articulating what is missing, unfortunately, with everyone in the hobby adopting the bye-bye-bye mentality, I don't think we will ever see the level of magic under glass that could and should be there. Imagine if folks actually listened to you and stopped agreeing to overpay for these stern machines. Over time, you know they would have to step up their game. How many of our collective dream themes are we going to let them piss all over? Well, Kevin, um, thank you for the note. I'm glad you enjoyed my Stranger Things review. You know, look, I, I don't know what the answer is, man. I, I don't think people are going to stop buying. I don't think people demand a lot for what they get in this hobby at all. I think people are driven by their passion and love for pinball. And I think a lot of people just don't care. And, and look, here's the thing. I think most people who buy Stern machines and Jersey Jack, they're not on pin side. They're, they just want a toy to have fun with. That's it. That's it. That's all they want, right? 
like look at the one up arcade. Did you guys see that? The one up arcade has pinball coming out, Star Wars pinball. You know, people buy those things. If you go on the Clove and the arcade enthusiasts, they look at those one up things like they're the stupidest things ever, like they're bastardizing what an arcade machine is. Yet that company is ma selling millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of those things. They're actually putting more of the arcade experience in people's homes. You know, people don't really care. They just want the toy. And I think that's what's happening with pinball. It's like people just see stranger things. They see Star Wars. They see Ghostbusters. They see Batman. You know, they see a theme that they love, Guardians of the Galaxy, Deadpool, and they go buy it. And they enjoy it. And they're not going to run to Pinside and cry about craters and this and that and shooter lane wear and all the stuff that we all complain about. Now, for $9,000, these things should be packed. And they're not. And if you buy a Stranger Things, which I think is, I think Stranger Things is as barren as the Black Knight is. If you buy this game, I, I think you once again send a message that you're willing to accept very little in a modern pinball machine at these prices. And that's just, that's just my opinion though. If you feel differently, that's cool. All right, Dave, Dave actually said, Dave Butsy actually sent me an email uh, about the one-up Star Wars arcade machine or pinball machine that's coming out. Thank you, Dave, for sharing that. I got an email from Ben Crane, said, Chris, I mostly agree with you on your criticisms of the Twippy. I think Jurassic Park will walk away with best game. The best podcast is a little more interesting, but you should easily win it. I don't know about that. There's a lot of shows, Ben. He goes on to say, if for no other reason, than being the one-eyed man in the land of the blind. A lot of these categories like best new uh, comer, best league, best location, best competitive player seem to have little meaning. I disagree um, with you that Stranger Things should have been included as very few people have played it and the premium LE version has yet to be revealed. This is a problem with rating these games in general is that they are often released with early code. Production is very limited or new and better versions are released later, making them difficult to assess the year they are released. Some seem to think it is fair to rate them when they are released as a way of punishing manufacturers for releasing early code or not being able to ship in volume. Such an assessment tends to reward mediocre games that ship near complete Aerosmith while not giving fair consideration to games that improve significantly even years after release Batman 66. Maybe a more meaningful comparison would be to compare games that are currently available new in box, since this essentially um, is essentially the decision consumers are making. Yeah, I mean, look, there's, there's no easy way to know when is the right time to review a pinball machine. And when it comes to the end of the year awards, I mean, I get it. I get it. That Stranger Things, I think a compromise could have been. I think they could have included Stranger Things in just theme. Because just theme alone, why could you not vote for Stranger Things within that category? Because it's out. Now, next year, you can include it in the other categories. I think, but here's the two categories that I think Stranger Things should have been in, theme and artwork. Because none of that's changing. Now, you can maybe argue people haven't seen the game in person, but it's artwork. I'll tell you this. The high-res photos Stern has of the game that are online, that's better than the game's ever going to look in front of you ever. They, they, they totally like changed the saturation on it to make it pop more than it does in real life. All right, let's keep going here. Uh, Matt, said, Matt said, hey, Canada, 
Just want to let you know you got my vote for the Twippies this year. The show is always entertaining, and the issues you bring up with modern pinball are usually dead on. I guess some people think you're too negative for the industry, but I've never felt like you're being negative for the sake of being negative. You might be in trouble next year if Zach stops playing that awful screaming soundbite and yelling into his mic every time he introduces a new segment. I literally laughed out loud when I saw him listed as Rookie of the Year for being a distributor. I like him a lot and think straight down the middle is great, but give me a break, man. All right, Matt. Well, first of all, thank you so much for your Twippy vote. And, you know, look, Zach, Zach, uh, Zach is Zach, man. I mean, there's a reason why Zach has a big following, too. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of personalities in this hobby and, and you know, people... People do their shows their ways, and I, and I think it's great. I, I actually, I it would be boring if we all tried to sort of copycat each other. Um, and you know, this show just we do it this way, and other shows do it other ways. Other shows have co-hosts. Other shows go maybe a little bit longer. Other shows have segments that are repetitive, or, or they you know repeat them over and over again. Uh, we just we just do what we do. We talk about pinball and we move on. All right. Well, Matt, thank you for the vote. What else do I get here? Uh, 1970 pinball projector so there was a pinball projector apparently in a game called sexy girl from 1980 i have not seen or played that game i'll have to take a look and see what sexy girl is all about all right so so brian l the title is stern equals data east sega quality hey chris i think we all forget stern's roots data east and sega they were c pins of the 90s Fun to play at times, but not magical like Bally Williams. Can you imagine if Daddy East or Sega made Adam's Family or Star Trek Next Generation back in the day? Look at the Star Wars pin they made in 1992. Is any shocker history repeated itself in 2017? Stern struck lightning twice with Lord of the Rings and Simpsons Pinball Party. Wish that could have continued. Effectively, we have Data East Sega making our dream themes. Happy New Year. Well, look, Brian, I mean, th- th- these games have definitely improved over that. But, you're, but he, is, he has a point. He has a point that, you know, Stern has just become bigger and, and honestly better than they were back then. But who amongst you out there, who listens to this show that can look at me with a straight face and tell me, what modern Stern game have we had in the last five years, five years, right, that has given us as much as Lord of the Rings and Simpsons Pinball Party? So I will happily, I would happily like to know what you think has as much as those games had in it, okay? And, and, and it's just like, you're not going to find anything. And, and again, I just, I think the, the investors are running the ship and that's okay. Like, I get it. Like, I see people saying like, they have to make money, cool. But they're charging so much for these games, and the bomb is really low. And I don't know. I'm not here to just champion this company staying in business while we get things that just aren't as good as they could be. And we all know they could be better than what we're getting. All right. All right, I'm going to stop there. I got I to get to work. Everyone, everyone, I hope you have a great 2020. What is coming up in pinball? We all want to see what Ricky Morty is like. No one's seen the game yet. Someone went over to Spooky to play their Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle and played Rick and Morty and said it was great. Do you trust someone who's like already probably in on one or maybe he's not in on one, but I think he just played one. I don't know. We're going we're gonna to find out soon enough. Uh, as I said, I don't really want to play it. 
I want to be surprised by this game. I think it's the kind of game with, with the jokes and the humor, you're going to want to experience it for the first time without watching it on the internet. And I, and, I, and I really do. I think that's the way to enjoy this game. So everyone, common sense, probably something that we throw out the window. I mean, who has common sense when you wake up one day and you're like, hey, honey, I got a good way to spend that $9,000. And she's like, what are we going to do? Like, we're going to take a great vacation. We're going to remember for the rest of our lives. We're going to invest that money. We're going to put that in our kid's college fund. No, honey, we're going to go buy a $9,000 Stranger Things pinball machine that only costs $3,000 to make. And I'm not even sure if the projector works, but let's just go buy it and see if we like it when it arrives in our home because they won't show us if it works before we hand them a check for $9,000. Isn't that a great commonsensical thing to do? Everyone, have a great day. This is Canada's Pinball Podcast, episode 420. What is it? 400 and. 439 439 and also if you haven't heard my robert mueller interview i re-aired it some people were saying it was missing and lastly um do i write a check for a hundred dollars to project pinball for zach sharp in his name because is this is this considered them streaming the game i think it might be i think you know i don't know you email me should i is this is this is he living up to my challenge i i think so right Anyway, CanadaPinball at gmail.com, everyone. Have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Memories bring back, memories bring back your...